Welcome to Side Hustle City, and thanks for joining us. Our goal is to help you connect to real people who found success turning their side hustle into a main hustle, and we hope you can too. I'm Adam Kaler. I'm joined by Kyle Stevie, my co-host. Let's get started. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Side Hustle City podcast. Guys, we got a special guest, former Division I basketball player, Kyle Gonzalez. What's happening, Kyle? Adam, great, uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's been a great year thus far. So, uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, it's starting out pretty good. I mean, it's uh, it's not 2021 anymore. 2020, when everything was a bunch of nonsense was going on, and nobody knew what in the hell was going to happen. Hopefully, we get start getting back to normal now, and everybody can everybody can cool down and uh, and figure out what's going on with their life. You know. Yeah, no, I heard that. It's uh, it's definitely. It feels like it's starting to settle down a little bit, and uh, it's been good to to see things kind of normalize in the last couple months. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, speaking of what happened over the last few years, I mean, health and wellness has kind of been at the forefront, right? So, talk a little bit about uh, about your journey. You know, I mean, you obviously played sports. You had to stay in shape. You had to be at peak physical conditioning, and and you you kind of help other people do that as well. And it's kind of like a side hustle. And then you, uh, I mean, you obviously know what in the world you're talking about. I mean, you probably had some of the best trainers and people like that helping you out. And it just kind of, kind of brushed off on you a little bit. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, yeah, I've, I've always been fascinated with human performance, the human body, and just figuring out what I could push myself to and figuring out how I could be, you know, more effective, more healthy, uh, and, and perform better ultimately. So like from a young age, it was always self-experimentation and trying different training methods and, and doing all of these things. And eventually as I got to college, I played basketball in college. Uh, it kind of turned into this fascination of how can I do this for myself, but how can I also help, you know, those around me, the, the people in my community, my team, uh, and, and everything like that. So it grew into this, uh, you know, kind of, insatiable passion and curiosity that I had for figuring out all things that I could do to help people optimize, live better, uh, and stuff like that. So that, uh, that pushed me down the realm of health and wellness. And I kind of went through this discovery phase after college and I knew that, uh, basketball wasn't going to be my everything. And so I'm glad I had that realization early. Um, so I was able to kind of pour these, you know, pour my passion into, uh, you know, health and wellness. And I, I got my master's degree. I, you know, taught a little bit at the university level. I did personal training, group fitness, and, and all of these different things to try and scour the, the, the whole health and wellness landscape. Um, and so from that, I, you know, started to figure out and develop my own ideals, develop my own practices, help people on the side. And uh, before you knew it, I was, I was writing a book on all things health and wellness and so that, uh, that kind of lands me where I am today. And that's crazy. Like that's a, that's a journey and it's called the vitality system is the name of the book. Correct. And guys, you know, if you want to, you want to learn about yourself and, uh, and what you need to do to, to step it up, uh, the vitality system. So Kyle Gonzalez, man. So tell us a little bit about what's in the book. Uh, you know, kind of break that down for us. Like what, what made you want to write a book in the first place? Like, I mean, did you think maybe that was, that was the easiest way for you to get your message out there and to help people in like a, a larger way. Correct. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, exactly right. So for me, 
I wanted to, I worked in this industry for a while and it was always one-to-one or one to a couple or one to, you know, a few people. And with that, I was limited in my reach. I was limited in how I could, you know, influence my community, influence my family. And so with that, I would always get questions of, Hey Kyle, what should I do with this in nutrition? Or, Hey Kyle, how much should I be sleeping or this or that? And, and so with that, I thought, you know, what's the perfect way to kind of coach people, but not actually be there. And so kind of, you know, have my message reach a large amount of people. Uh, and, and so that was a book and it started off as an idea, a small one, um, and kind of morphed into, I'm going to kind of create this health and wellness encyclopedia, this, this lifestyle guide that goes over, uh, what I outline in the book as my core four pillars of health and wellness, which are movement, nutrition, recovery, and, and lifestyle. So your habits and all of those, how can you optimize those? And so I wanted to stray away from just like, Hey, let me just, you know, give you the, the, the information on all of these. I wanted to kind of provide tools, guidance, actions that you can take to actually implement them in your life, to actually enhance the things you need to enhance and to take you from, you know, knowledge to action, to results. So that, that was kind of the core idea behind creating the book. Wow. And and I like the fact that one of your pillars is recovery. Cause I think people underestimate that. Uh, I, I think I watched a, what was it? Maybe like a YouTube video the other day on uh was it Richie Coleman? Is that the weightlifter? Yeah. And he was like yeah. the best Ronnie, weightlifter, like Ronnie in Coleman. Ronnie Coleman. Yeah. yeah. He's like the greatest weightlifter, like in history or something crazy like that. And now he's like crippled. Like his, he's, he can't walk right. He's, and it was, they said, because the dude would just work out like a beast every day and he didn't have any kind of recovery plan. Yeah, it's, uh, it is often overlooked and underutilized. And I think, uh, the main components, you know, sleep, obviously it's, it's not fancy. It's not pretty. It's not sexy, but sleep and breathing. Those are two that I constantly tell people about, breathing. you know, nasal oh. breathing, you know, the, you know, the society right now, we're a, a bunch of mouth breathers, uh, you know, throughout sleep and, and stuff like that. And it's actually, uh, you know, uh, such a subtle thing in breathing through your nose and trying to do that as often as possible. And even breath work and practices you can do like box breathing, four, seven, eight breathing and stuff like that. But, uh, but also sleep, sleep is the foundation uh, of health and wellness. And it's like, if you're not checking that box, then you shouldn't even be moving on to the, you know, other crazy things that you might see out there and uh, all the other forms of, you know, recovery methods and p- things people pay for. And it's just like, are you sleeping well enough? Is your diet in the right place? Like all of these things are kind of the foundation. And so with the book, I wanted to just outline, you know, uh, ways that you can optimize these types of things, but also kind of, uh, you know, break down some of the myths and, and also just make it a little bit more attainable for people. So, I mean, this has been in, like, you've been featured in, let's, you got a list here, Men's Health, The Washington Post, NBC News, Extra, Real Simple, and Prevention. That's awesome, man. Like, how did you, how did you get all those, uh, I mean, did people just, some, you know, somebody picked up the book one time, next thing you know, it kind of spread through the news, or did you do, like, a PR push or work with a publisher or something to get that out there? Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate to to be featured in, in a lot of uh, these media outlets. And I think 
you know, some of it was pre the book. And so some of it was just doing great work in the industry. And I've worked for some great companies that have also helped put me uh, in a position. I, I worked for a company called Future that did one-on-one personal training. Uh, I now work with a company called Momentus that uh, that does human performance. And, uh, and so, yeah, they've ultimately helped me get a platform to, uh, you know, carry on that message to, you know, tell the public about, you know, all of these things that, uh, you know, we need to know. And there's Titans in the field that are starting to do this more and more now, like, you know, Andrew Huberman and Peter Atia oh, yeah. and people like oh, that yeah. who are really making health and wellness uh, cool again and, and making it accessible to people and not this scary thing or, or that uh, that requires you to do all of these uh, other things. So I think that's uh, that's helped to give health and wellness a platform. And I know you had mentioned, you know, COVID and, and how that's oh. kind of, you know, changed the landscape of health and wellness. And I think one one positive that I, I saw come from COVID is uh, people are more health conscious now, you know, mental health, physical health, yes. uh, social relationships. And, and so stuff like that has come to the forefront and it's given people a platform to talk about it more. It sits with people more and, and they're more in tune to, hey, you know, you know, a, these things can come up, you know, at, at any point in time. And so where is my health and wellness? How am I taking care of myself is become more and more important. Like, what have I been doing this whole time? Like, you know, I work yeah. my butt off. I'm stressed out. Kids are screaming. I got bills to pay. You know, uh, now we're in a recession. Uh, you know, people are thinking about those kind of things. And they looked back at their lives while COVID was going. And they were like, am I just like going through the, the you know, the rigmarole, just doing yeah. what everybody else is doing? And, you know, what joy do, do I have in my life? And then when you think about it, it had us questioning our own humanity because people didn't know at first, like what was going on. And, you know, it could be a, you know, it could have been a political thing. I mean, you had people out there that were saying, look, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, go out and do what you want. And then other people were like, oh, if you go outside, you're going to die immediately. Like, I mean, yeah. there were people <laughs> freaking out, you know? Yeah. And so you didn't know what to believe. You, now people are, are actually questioning uh, science. They're questioning these health people. Yeah. And you look back and they were like, oh, you get the vaccine, you're never going to get COVID. And now yeah. that's obviously not true, right? People are getting COVID yeah. still. And and it's the people that actually, it, and I don't want to sound like I'm, I know anything about science right now, but it's like your own healthy immune system was yeah. better than the vaccine is what it, I mean, what it seems like a lot of times, but your thing is, look, we don't know what science, you know, we don't know if it's going to be, you know, deadly we don't know if it's like whatever but at the end of the day most of these things that are going around attack people with weak immune systems if you follow basic healthy lifestyle uh frameworks like what you present get your sleep try not to be super stressed out uh eat relatively healthy i mean down on a bag of cheetos probably isn't the way to go (laughs) But you know what? And you know what's crazy too? And you could probably talk about this, but during COVID, man, I was down to 183. I was down to 183 pre-COVID. I had yeah. I'd started eating just like I bought those like pre-cooked bag chickens and I'm just eating like chicken, you know, at night, like getting my protein, working out twice, doing two yeah. a days at the gym. You know, I'd, I'd go back and do my cardio after I did my, my weights and I'm, dude, I'm like slimming down you know, all that stuff pre-COVID. I'm like, not eating sugar, not eating that many carbs. Next thing you know, COVID hits, oh, I'm back to the Cheetos. I'm back to the, you know, whatever I was. 
you know, my, my, uh, cinnamon toast crunch and I'm doing stuff like that again. And I'm back up to two ten, Right. And a lot of people did that and you felt horrible. No. Yeah, no, 100%. I think uh, COVID, you know, forced a lot of people to, to kind of look in the mirror. And, you know, some people took that as a, you know, I'm going to change these things. Some people didn't know how to react. It, it was, you know, emotionally jarring for a lot of people. So that can do a lot to hormone systems. That can do a lot to just your habits, that you, your normal habits, getting outside and, and all of that stuff was affected. So I think ultimately coming out of it, people are now looking to those things and that state that they were in and trying to be a little bit more health conscious, trying to look at some of these areas a a little bit more fine tuned. Um, And and so for me, it's always been just, you know, how can you, you know, be ready before these things happen? How can you create habits that will endure whatever situation you're in? And how can you ultimately control the the controllables? What, what, What can you control in your life? And those are, you know, exercise, sleep, you know, what you eat, uh, how active you are, you know, your social relationship, all all of those things are in your control. So why would you not want to optimize them, keep them as healthy as possible so that you can live the life you want to live? Yeah. And feel better every day. Like actually be able to enjoy your life and think about this too. So we talk about this a lot on the show. You know, the reason you start a business is for freedom is to break away from that nine to five life that's stressing you out. You're working for somebody else every day. You're making them rich. You know, there's that whole thing. And it's, you know, I mean, some people like it. It it really depends on your, your personality type, but even when you like, say you're working, uh, you're doing your own thing. I mean, you're going from working 40 hours for some, for the man to now you're working 80 or a hundred hours a week yourself right yep. so you're still working you're you're but but there's a there's an end to the means like you there's a goal yep. of you being able to like sell that business or something at least you know you're not going to be sitting at a desk until you're 65 years old and they give you a little gold watch or whatever to retire like there's something yep. there's 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 more possibility so in a way that's good for your mental health but the 80 to 100 hours a week sucks right yeah yeah and how do you and- find time like how do you find time it's necessary though you have to work out you have to get yeah. sleep you you're working your butt off, but at the same time, you have to be cognizant of this health stuff. 100%. And, uh, I think what, what doing what uh, focusing on your health and wellness does, it unlocks the ability to be more effective, more productive, more creative, uh, and, and kind of push those boundaries. And so a lot of, you know, the, the culture that I've kind of grown up in is like, you know, you gotta, you know, work crazy hours. You gotta do all these things. Sleep is for the week and, and all of that. And, you know, what, what we're starting to find, you know, now is, you know, the data is just overwhelming and like one in three people don't get enough sleep and, you know, all of these things that just, uh, show the state of, you know, where we are now we're in a health epidemic. It's like, you know, two out of three people are overweight and obese. And, you know, we breathe through our mouths and all these things that are just propagating and getting worse and worse. And I think it's time to kind of change that narrative and understand that we can do more, create more, be more when we are taking care of our health and wellness, when we are taking care of our mental health um, and and when we are doing all these things. And that comes from a a focus on building habits that comes from, uh, you know, uh, big business and, and stuff like that starting to change the narrative as well. So, yeah, yes. I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm so driven, dri- driven and drawn to health and wellness is because like I see it on a day-to-day basis and it's something that we all can control our own destiny with. 
And we all have the power to make changes in that aspect of our lives. And so no matter your situation, genetics, lifestyle, socioeconomic status, you can do things to improve your health and wellness. And so I want to, you know, show that that can unlock, you know, possibilities in, in people's lives. Now, I love that. And you know, what's crazy. It's like, I go, I travel a lot and I, you know, gone b- before COVID and then uh, just recently again, traveling, you know, around the, around the world. You know, I like yep. to go to like Bengals games when they play in Europe and stuff like that, you know? Of course. But you go, and, and I actually got married in Rome. And when you go to wow. Italy, and you maybe you can explain this to me. You go to Italy, the food tastes real. Like I can't explain it. Oh, and yeah. the, the, I think the food laws are a lot more strict. There was like I went to Switzerland. There was a twelve dollar Happy Meal at McDonald's. I was like, man, a twelve dollar Happy Meal. What is going <laughs> on here, right? Like uh, by the time you converted it, and then I I ended up getting a chicken sandwich, best chicken sandwich ever. I was like, this is a McDonald's chicken sandwich. What is yeah. going on with this chicken sandwich? I'm talking like a thick. Piece of breast of chicken. It wasn't that nasty little circle. Pack. It was like a breast of chicken on the chicken sandwich. And I'm yeah. like, this is crazy. Like the food seems so much better. And you go to Italy, Southern Europe. I've noticed this Northern Europe. You got some, you got some people that don't know how to act And England, I think is more like yeah. us. And we got all of our fast food companies in there. And next thing you know, yeah. I could see over the years, England getting fatter, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. you go to Southern Italy, though, still, I think they kind of like are like, look, we cook at home like we make yeah. food like I'm going to go to my mom's house. She's going to cook up a spaghetti dinner or something real nice. Yeah. I'm not going to go to McDonald's in Italy like it's not for us. Right. Let yeah. the American tourists go to, to, to whatever <laughs> it is. Right. And but yeah. they're like they're like they're skinny. I'm like, man, this is yeah. like people here in shape. And it's also hot. Yeah. Maybe they used to go outside and they walk a lot and it's hot and it beats them up. But yeah, what, what is that? Like, what can you, if you re I'm sure you have, I mean, you got a freaking yeah. master's degree in this stuff. What is it about those cultures or, you know, the food that they eat that's so much different than what we have? Yeah. I, I think you hit on a couple of great points. And I think first things first is, is natural, organic, fresh ingredients and I think, uh, you know, the U.S. has started to turn to food-like substances and these high fructose corn syrup and oh, additives and, and all of these things that are not just natural products, whole, fresh, plant-based foods. And so I think when you go to some of these small towns and, uh, you know, some of these countries in Europe and, and other places in Asia, and you find people eating natural, whole foods in smaller quantities, they're not getting supersized meals and plates that are bigger than our heads. Uh, it's, you know, the correct portion size, it's fresh ingredients, and it's also the, the community built around food. And it's, it's not just, oh, this food is what I need for energy. It's, it's an actual, you know, community. It's a relationship that they have with food and the people that they eat with. And, and like you said, it's also the culture of being outside more, going on walks, uh, and, and stuff like that, that, that make it, uh, just a better and more healthy relationship with food. And I think us now in the U S it's like people eat in the cars and eat on the go or have a TV on when they're eating. And it's never a, you know, experience where you can actually enjoy each, each bite. You can take your time, put your fork down oh, good take point. Another, and so it's yes. like, we eat fast, we eat in the wrong places, uh, and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, that's why nutrition was one of my favorite uh, chapters to write in the book because it uh, it there's a lot that you know we we don't know about nutrition, but at the same time, 
the basics of eating a plant-based, you know, fresh, whole organic foods, like you can't go wrong with that. And uh, usually, you know, nature's, you know, best medicine is just natural fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, uh, and, and things like that. So it's uh it's it is an eye opener when you do go to you know i i've definitely been blessed to travel a bunch as well and you see the plate sizes are smaller and you see how happy people are to be eating and talking and being outside and and i think yeah just the culture around food is is a lot different yeah i now did i hear the other day that so i'm i'm into intermittent fasting like i you know you watch a lot of stuff and you're like oh if i don't eat past eight o'clock and then i eat lunch next day at noon or whatever you know i'll be in i'll be fine well i just heard the other day it's actually portion sizes that if you just shrink your portion size the amount of food you eat in like one sitting is actually doing more damage to your weight your healthy weight than if you fasted like you if you just change your portion size you would be better off. Yeah. So yeah, it, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, research on fasting and there's a lot of research on caloric restriction. I would basically say it, it always depends on the person. It always depends on the person and the lifestyle and, and your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? But uh, most of intermittent fasting, the benefits that come from that, that are actually just due to caloric restriction. When people restrict their time window of when they're eating, most of the time they're going to consume less calories and be a little bit more conscious of when they're eating and how much mm-hmm. they're eating. And so that is kind of where some of the benefit stems, uh, you know, from intermittent fasting, but there also has been research that, you know, has shown that restricting to an eight, nine or 10 hour eating window, uh, can have other metabolic, uh, you know, benefits. So it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting, you know, research. And I think there's a lot more coming out, uh, in terms of intermittent fasting and caloric restriction, but you can restrict what you eat, you can restrict when you eat, or you can restrict how you eat or change how you eat. And I think that's kind of the system I outlined is like, there's no perfect diet. There's no perfect method. It's all what works for you and what can you do consistently. And so whether that Mm. means, you know what, it's easier for me to actually just say, I'm not going to eat this type of food, or I'm not going to eat that. Or it might be, Hey, it's easier for me to say, I'm only going to eat within this time window. And then another way is like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, eat slower. I'm going to meal prep. I'm going to focus on the habits around food and stuff like that. So there's so many different ways that you can manipulate your nutrition to optimize, to either lose weight, build muscle, whatever your goal is. Um, I just think people oftentimes they want to, you know, it's so polarizing. It's like, oh, if, if you do this, then this is going to happen. Carbs are bad or this is bad or that's bad. And it's like, no, it's, it, it depends on the person. It depends on the goal. It depends on the lifestyle. It depends on what you can do consistently. And so I, I always lean on that. And I would never say that one thing is better than the other. Um, and there's research on things that have been proven, but uh, given the person, things can change. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're LeBron and you're running up and down a basketball court and working out every day, you're going to yeah. eat. 10,000 calories. I mean, in your six foot nine or whatever the heck you oh, yeah. like you're, you're going to eat. Uh, what's his name? Uh, that used to swim. Uh, he, Michael Phelps. Yeah. He was like, what eating like four foot longs a day or something crazy. Like it was oh, yeah. nuts. That dude was like, I couldn't believe how many cal like 25,000 calories a day or something crazy. I'm like, dude, what are you like a bull? <laughs> I mean, this is nuts. 
Uh, by yeah. the way, did LeBron score all those points just because he's a ball hog or is he actually like good? Like what's, Oh man, <laughs> you, you might open up a can of worms there. I, I, I love LeBron and I think uh, he's a testament to uh, longevity and taking care of your body and your health and wellness. And, you know, they say the best ability is availability and he's been available and he's been, you know, doing that for a long to kind of extend your prime for that long is, is incredible. And so, uh, yeah, obviously not everyone has the tools that he has at his disposal and a personal chef and, you know, all the training and all that, but, you know, we can take some things from that and just kind of see that when you dedicate resources, time, effort, towards your health and wellness, it'll pay dividends back to you. And so uh, that's, that's, I guess the the tie I can make to LeBron James. <laughs> but you know, he's a different, he's a different person. Like he's not, he, he's on the extreme end of like, does LeBron worry about caloric intake? Probably not. You know, he's, he's active, but one of the stats that you had on here is 80% of Americans don't get enough physical activity. 80%. Yeah. LeBron gets plenty of physical activity. You chances are, if you're listening to this, you're not getting physical activity. You're probably in that. I'm probably in that 80%. So what do you do? Like, how do you stay cognizant of that? I mean, that's a, that's a large, large number. And when you're thinking about the healthcare problems in this country, you know, people sit behind computers all day. They're watching YouTube all day. They're doing, uh, you know, whatever they're doing, playing on uh, TikTok all day. Right. Yeah. They're not outside. They're not doing stuff like they used to. It's going to get worse. And, you know, we've already got health care issues in this country. Prices, costs, things like that are skyrocketing. People want the the government to pay for everybody's health care. But at the same time, it's like, look, people aren't taking care of themselves. It's going to get unreasonably expensive. What do yeah. we do? Like what? I mean, obviously, people, you know, listen to people like you and, and, and take steps in their life. But that takes that means you have to be personally responsible and take ownership of these kinds of things. How do you talk to people? How do you get people to understand this kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I think the the first step is is identifying that it's you know an area of of improvement. So first things first is to understand where you're starting. So a lot of the time when I kind of address these activity issues and I you know physical activity movement, um, people sometimes just want to bucket this into exercise, but it's actually movement as a whole you know, going on walks, you know, how much you're standing versus sitting and, and all of these things are involved in it. It's not just how much are you in a gym or doing a workout or taking a class. And I think some people reduce it down to that. It's actually overall movement, but overall is yeah. Identify first. Is this an issue for me? And a lot of people don't think it is. They think, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fairly active. And you know, I, I do it. But then when you start to break it down and you talk with them through it, they understand, wow, I'm actually getting, you know, under 4,000 steps a day. I'm actually not getting at least 30 minutes of activity a day. I'm sitting more than eight hours a day. And, and so when you start to bring that to the forefront, I think that's the first step is kind of acknowledging it. Then from there, it's, it's kind of breaking it down a little bit. How do I, you know, create small steps that I can achieve consistently? So what you see in the society nowadays, it's like, oh, I have a movement issue. All right, I'm going to buy a gym membership, go to every single class. I'm going to buy every single piece of equipment and do all of these things. And they kind of go out guns blazing. And what that does is, is creates an un, uh, unreasonable scenario for people to achieve. And it's like, that's you're not going to be able to keep that you can't up. support it. Yeah, you can't support that. So it's how can you kind of uh, you know, bite off what you can chew. How can you break down these things into smaller things? So something as simple as getting more than 7,000 steps a day, going on a walk a day, or 
I'm going to exercise for 15 minutes a day at home, you know, instead of joining the gym or, or whatever, find these small little wins that you can get. And consistency is king. It's always going to win out. So don't think about how much I can do right now. Think about how much I can do over six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, a year, and, and kind of just keep showing up and building that habit, building that muscle. And then once you can do that, then you can start to optimize. So I, I think it's an atomic habits. James Clear has, has oh, a yeah. quote of book. standardize before you optimize. So you got to standardize it. You got to make sure it's an actual habit before you start improving that habit and before you start building on that. So with movement, uh, I try to uh, increase what's called a uh, NEAT. So this is uh, kind of a fancy term, not non-exercise activity thermogenesis is what NEAT stands for. And this is all of the activity that you do that is not exercise. So that's the walking, that's parking a little bit further from your job and walking, using the stairs more often, you know, doing 10 minute stretch breaks throughout your day to kind of break up the monotony of sitting all day. Uh, all of these things kind of add up and they can increase your metabolism. They can, you know, just actually make you feel better. And so I think it's starting with the smallest thing that you can achieve consistently and building that habit, making it consistent first, that is the key to kind of building up your movement muscle. And then when you get to the higher levels, yeah, you can talk about getting a coach or you can talk about joining classes or joining a gym uh, and, and kind of going from there. But uh, I think ultimately, you know, you need to have a kind of system in your life that incorporates movement naturally. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to schedule this or have to do that. Like, I think ultimately you need to make it natural. And if that means in the beginning, I'm going to schedule five, 10 minute blocks on my calendar. So people know, Hey, this is dedicated to going on a walk. This is dedicated to doing a quick stretch break, whatever the case is. I think if we can reduce sitting, get more steps in, uh, you know, get outside more, get sunlight, all of these things are, are just such small little things that, like I said, they're not fancy. They're not sexy. They're not things that people are like, oh, this is going to make a difference, but they do. And so it's, uh, it, it's not always easy, but it is simple. See, that's good to know, to hear from somebody with your kind of experience and background that these little small things actually make a difference and, and not just physically, but mentally getting you off the snide, right? Like getting you out of the house into the gym. I mean, if you're sitting there laying on the couch and you're scrolling through TikTok videos or reels or whatever, why couldn't yeah. you do that on a bike at the gym? Like, yeah, exactly. And now, okay. So Kyle, Kyle, you, you get, you get a little overweight, right? Like you're let's, this is a scenario here. So yep. you're like, Oh man, I ain't been to the gym in three months. I'm starting to get lazy. My body feels stiff. I've been eating these Cheetos. Like, <laughs> what do you do? to get yourself like what do you what's the equipment you do do you go in there you get on the bike because you do mention something about uh uh injury prevention in here you got nine steps yeah. here what do you do to just get back in there and do maybe some low-hanging fruit type of activity maybe added to what you just talked about some of the things yeah. like standing at work every once in a while get yourself off you know off the chair you know that kind of stuff what do you yeah. do when you first walk into gym what's the first thing you're you're looking to do yeah, I, I honestly, and I'll always say this, it always depends on the person, but I, I would say first things first is what are you uh, 
proficient in? What are you confident doing? Start with that. Don't start with something that you don't have a proficiency with, something that you're you know, not as competent with, like, oh, I'm going to start with doing barbell lifting when I don't even know how to do that. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Sometimes people get intimidated in the gym. So start with something that you're confident with. Start with something that you know that you can do, whether that's going on a walk, whether that's jumping on the bike, whether that's, you know, doing the stair climber, whatever it is, find that thing that you're comfortable with. Because I think the most important thing is showing up, Mm. show up, get five minutes in, get 10 minutes in, get whatever you can get in and be realistic with yourself. So I think ultimately, you know, you, you want to do things that you can repeat. You want to do things that you can show up again the next day. And so a lot of times people, what they'll do is they'll like go hard and balls to the wall for Monday And then it's like, oh, I'm so tired and sore that I'll miss Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I'll be back Friday. And then Friday, it's like, oh, Friday, oh, it's Friday. I'll be back Saturday. And so I think it's it's better to say, hey, I'm going to do five to 10 minutes on Monday, five to 10 minutes on Tuesday, and just, you know, keep that ball rolling, keep the momentum going. And so when I, when I go into the gym or when I'm doing the first session with a client, I oftentimes like to give them uh, a little bit of what they want. Obviously you want people to enjoy this experience. You don't want to be like, Oh, I'm miserable. I have to go to the gym. Yeah. How are you going to get through that when it's a hard day, when work's piling up, you're going to just call it off. So it's like, why not do something where it's like, you know, maybe you do, like you said, you combine some behaviors. Oh, I'll watch my favorite Netflix show while doing an inclined walk on the treadmill. Like start yourself off with some realistic things that you can achieve over and over again and then start to worry about what you can add on, what you might subtract, whatever the case is. But I think that's the key is understanding that you want to you want to dive into something that you can be comfortable with to start. Are there like, and that's really good advice. What, so winter time comes, right? Yep. Is there something naturally human beings just have from our caveman days or something <laughs> that makes us just not want to leave the house in the winter? Oh man. So it, there is actually something called, uh, ironically named like sad seasonal affective disorder. And so, you know, when the sunlight is not as frequent, when the weather is cold and you don't want to be outside as much, it it can actually have a profound impact on mental, emotional, physical health. And so with that, it it takes, uh, again, you have to build these habits, uh, so that your environment doesn't change things. And I always say like, it's not a real habit. If your environment changes it, it's, it's just something that you were doing and then it fell off. But when you can build real habits, it won't matter what the weather is. It won't, won't matter all of these things, but there are 100% things that you can do to kind of combat that. And I think it starts with, you know, trying to get sunlight as much as you can in those winter months. It's trying to bolster up, you know, what you're doing with your nutrition. It's trying to get more sleep, it's trying to do more mindfulness practices and, and things like that. But uh, it is 100% um, research tried and true that, yeah, when there's you know less sunlight and it's harder to be outside, those things can take a, a detrimental effect to you know overall health and wellness. But I think, uh, I think now you know it, it just comes back to what habits are you building? How are you putting yourself in a position to be able to execute the things you need to do for your health and wellness, no matter the environment? And I always kind of bring up travel, like travel is such a big one. When people travel, it's like, oh, diet goes out the window, exercise goes out the window, sleep goes out the window. It's like, what can you kind of build into your routine 
that when you travel, you say, hey, look, I'm still going to do my 30 minutes of activity in this way. Or, hey, look, I'm going to try to avoid these types of things when I go out to eat. Or, hey, look, I'm going to make sure I'm still getting my sleep and this and this thing. So how can you kind of create non-negotiables that you can you know, carry throughout any environment that you're in? Oh, I love that, man. I love that. So outside of working out, um, doing these small little things throughout the day that you can do just to get yourself off the chair, off the couch, start yeah. walking, doing something. So that's all really good advice. What about the meal changes? Like you have these four small mealtime changes that can help you lose weight. Uh, can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I think again, this is something that uh, society makes it tough on us. You know, it, it makes tough. it tough to make some of these decisions and, you know, all of the advertising that we see and, and all of that. So for me, it, it, you know, it comes down to simple behaviors and there's plenty more than four, but I would say first things first is portion size. Like, you know, figure out the portion size that's right for you. There's so many resources. I know there's precision nutrition that does uh, hand portion portion sizes. So you can kind of use your hand as a guide. Oh, like your to fist, right? Out. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, fist for protein and thumb size for fats and, and all of that. That's super useful just to understand how much are you actually getting. Um, and so portion sizes would be number one. I think number two is just kind of like eating more mindfully. So we've talked about it, it's like eating slower, you know, putting your fork down after each bite and just understanding that, you know, this meal to savor it, actually chew and, and all of those things. I think we've lost that and kind of we're on technology when we eat and, and we're kind of doing all these things. Another huge strategy that I love to implement is what I call like, uh, like addition, which leads to subtraction. So it's like a lot of times people think, oh, I'm going to take all of these things out of my diet, take out, take out. But that also kind of creates a negative uh, kind of relationship where you're like, oh, I'm craving this thing, but I'm not allowed to have it. And it's like, why not add healthier things into your diet and almost crowd out the bad stuff? So adding more fruits and vegetables might crowd out some of the, mm, you know, yes. chocolate or, or fast yeah. food that you eat. And so why don't you look at it from a positive manner of, I'm going to add these things in um, that will eventually lead to you eating less of the bad stuff. So, you know, addition by subtraction or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then the last thing, the fourth thing I'll say is kind of giving yourself some leeway. So I call it kind of 80, the 80, 20 method. And you can see this across everything, the 80, 20 method. But for me, it's like 80% of the time I'm doing the right thing. 80% of the time I am locked in and 20% of the time I give myself that, that kind of leeway to, you know, go out, have a good night with my friends to, you know, eat that dessert every once in a while. But I know that's part of my 20%. I know that, you know, when everything is right, I'm going to cook my meals. I'm going to eat my vegetables, dark leafy greens, seeds, nuts, all of those different things. So it's almost kind of giving yourself some parameters around, hey, if I'm doing these, if I'm getting these foundational things done 80% of the time, I will be, you know, good with my nutrition. And 20% of the time, just giving yourself a chance to relax and do the things that you want to do. Because nobody wants to be, unless you're at the most elite level, you don't need to be, you know, tracking everything down to the T. So uh, I think those are, those are some things that, you know, people can do to clean up diet, to create a better relationship with, uh, with food and, and make sure that they're, you know, using it correctly. Is it almost bad not to eat like crappy stuff every once in a while? Like if, if I'm thinking like maybe your body stops getting used to it, like when I was getting down there before COVID and then I went back and ate one of the things, like it was almost like my body was like shocked 
And I yeah. it was like, it hurt. You know, yeah. it, it was like a skyline chili. You don't know about Cincinnati skyline chili, but it's like a big, <laughs> um, unless you traveled here for basketball or something and played UC or Xavier, yeah. but, uh, but skyline chili is like a big thing here. And it's just like this yeah. uh, soupy type of, chi- uh, um, it's not thick, like meaty chili. It's like, it's almost like cooked down into a sauce. Right. And then okay. you put over spaghetti and everything and then big giant pile of cheese on top. Like I, my stomach was bubbling like, after that. <laughs> and I hadn't eaten that kind of stuff in a while, you know? And it was almost like, my body's like, what are you doing? So yeah. you know, mixing in some, like some things that you like and stuff every once I could probably make your body appreciate <laughs> like what yeah. you, what you've been doing on the healthy side of things, you know? Yeah, I don't know if no, that's a thing, but. No, no, it, it, it's definitely like one, the mindset. I think sometimes when you put yourself in a net, like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this. It almost creates more stress. It almost creates more, uh, you know, kind of resentment towards you not being able to eat these things. So of course it's, it's moderation, you know, everything in moderation. And I think what you're kind of talking about is, yeah, your body adapts, your body, um, you know, gets, to desensitize to some of these things. And when you introduce them back, it's almost like a, you know, assault to, you know, what you've been doing and it kind of jolts the body. And, and sometimes, you know, I think it, it's best to just take everything in moderation and understand that, uh, you know, you don't want things to compound. You don't mm-hmm. want, you know, one bad dessert to lead to, Oh, I'm going to eat dessert every night, or I'm going to buy a tub of ice cream or whatever. So having the boundaries with yourself, but have a good relationship with food and, and keep it positive. And, you know, I, I, that's why I never usually like to tell, you know, clients or anything like, Hey, we're not going to eat these foods. We're never going to eat this, this, and that like, that's, that's not, you know, how we should be. It's just in moderation and making sure that you're, you're fitting things into your lifestyle, your goals um, and, and kind of that way. But, but yeah, no, your taste buds can adapt, you know, and, you know, I think what, uh, society has done now is with our food system, it's these hyper palatable foods that we get. And so it's like, you know, before you could just eat a strawberry and be like, wow, it's, this is so tasty and sweet. And, you know, it tastes so great. It's like a dessert, but you know, now we have supersized strawberry cheesecake milkshakes and, and things like oh. that. So it's like, that is just blowing out our palates. And, and now we, we come to expect that. So when we eat the strawberry, it's, it's bland, or when we eat the spinach, it's bland or, or whatever the case is. And that's because we're eating these hyper palatable foods that, uh, that kind of just, yeah, make it tougher for us to enjoy the simpler things, the natural, fresh, whole ingredients. But when you get back to eating those things, your palate will adapt back to that and you will just enjoy to eat a fresh orange or like I said, eat berries or, or whatever the case is. And uh, for me, it's like, oh my God, like that is my dessert because it's so tasty. It's so fresh. Um, and it, it actually is like, feels good. Cause you know, you're doing something healthy. Yeah. I have a, a wellness lady that I go to who uh, she gives me like these little uh, uh, vitamins and stuff like that. And, and she told me that the other day I said, you know, cause I used to go to Starbucks and get that white chocolate mocha and that sucker is like the oh, yeah. worst thing you could possibly get. And you, the yeah. sugar's stupid. And then I kind of scaled back. I started getting, um, caramel macchiatos, which are a lot less calories. And yeah. now I'm doing just honey in a latte, like, you know, just the espresso yep. the milk and a honey in there instead of yep. whatever pump they're using with. Oh yeah. Sugar bombs. I think, you know, um, so yeah. So, I mean, I think, uh, 
know what happened to my video there. So, you know, the thing is, is like uh, your palate, it will adjust. And she literally just told oh, me, yeah. I think I met with her like two days ago or whatever. And it's true. Like your palate is going to adapt to those kind of things. And I'm already feeling it. Like if I yeah. went and got a white chocolate mocha right now, I'd be like, Oh, so sweet. Like too much sweetness. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I, you know, I have like European friends and stuff. I had an Italian friend who came here and we were like showing them around and, Oh, you should yeah. get one of these things. And he's like, what are you eating? Like, this is too much. Like they can't handle it. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah. but that's, that's kind of how it goes. So um, so Kyle, like you've got a, it's not just the book, but now you've got a educational platform, the vitality system yeah. that you offer people. Is that something you like built on Kajabi and like you put it out on like teachable or something like that? Or how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So it, it's, it's mainly kind of, you know, the book was kind of the idea to get this off the ground. And from there, it's, it's kind of just a platform to first and foremost, educate people. I think when you know about, you know, the ins and outs of nutrition and movement and recovery and, and these lifestyle habits, it's much easier to adopt them. And it's much easier to kind of figure out how you can push things forward and take in an experiment and kind of pivot when, when you need to. If you're just following a script, it's, it's like, oh, what happens when things go off script, which life yeah. will inevitably throw us curveball. So educating people is, is first and foremost. And then, you know, the next stage is kind of helping people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so people kind of, you know, work with me to help transform some of their habits and get a little bit more hands-on with some of the things that we're talking about and a little bit more personalized. Um, but ultimately my goal with the platform and my goal with helping people one-on-one -on -one is to empower them, empower yourself to take control of your own health and wellness. So you don't need me or you don't need uh, you know, a product or service or whatever it is. You can understand your health and wellness at the basic level and make these decisions and understand how to navigate what is a, you know, very daunting health and wellness landscape. And so you almost, it's like the book and the platform are a guide for navigating this landscape and are a guide for making the right decisions and ultimately propagating that, spreading that throughout your community, spreading that throughout your family, uh, relationships that you have, your, your work. And so, you know, it, it is kind of something where I, I almost can't keep my mouth shut when whenever I'm with people and talking about health and wellness, because it's just like yeah. oozes out of me. And I know it's just something that, you know, ultimately can provide everybody more vitality, longevity, performance. All of these things can be enhanced um, if you just understand the fundamentals and how they apply to you. I love it, man. I love it. So Kyle, how can people reach out to you? Uh, you know, we'll have some stuff in the bio, in the bio, some links and everything, but uh, yeah. you know, tell people who are listening, maybe in their car or whatever, how do they, how do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, no, I, I'm active on Instagram at Kyle Gonzalez three. So first name, last name three. Um, I also have a account for the vitality system, which is just at the vitality system. Um, and then, you know, my email, uh, you know, you can reach me on my email. It's just first name, Kyle dot last name, Gonzalez at yahoo.com. Um, and yeah, I, I'm pretty active on, on all of those. I, if it's anything related to health and wellness, I'm speedy in my responses. And I, I definitely genuinely just want to help people and, and, you know, kind of push out the right information to the right people at the right time, because it is always something where, you know, each person is different you know, the environment that we oh, yeah. have genetics, you know, your lifestyle, your relationships, all of these things are different. So I just want people to feel empowered to 
go on their own and take control of these things. And sometimes it can look different. You know, you and your partner can be different. You know, you and your coworkers, you and your best friends, you can have different plans and that's okay. Um, I think now it's just like, there's a bunch of misinformation out there. There's a bunch of do this, but wait, no, do, don't do that. And there's a bunch of, you know, throwing shade and dirt on a lot of different processes and mm. ingredients and foods and things. And, and so I think ultimately um, it's just trying to, you know, empower people uh, to live better, healthier, active lives. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my mission and I'll, uh, I'll keep at it for as long as uh, I'm breathing and uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of fuels me and it gives me the passion to, to continue and more books to come and more research yes. to come and, and all of that. So I'm excited for what the future holds. Keep it going, man. I mean, you got a little side hustle going on here and this is, I mean, it's tied to what you know. And, you know, a lot of times we tell people like, look, you get a side hustle, like based on what you know, like, what are you doing at work right now? Like they're, they find that valuable. Maybe you could turn that into something or find something you're passionate about as long as it pays the bills, as long as there's a market for it, you know, don't sell cat collars. If uh, <laughs> you know the market for cat collars is maxed out, you know? But yeah. anyway, Kyle, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate it. I feel like I've learned something. I got to go to my personal trainer now after this. But now <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm hyped up. Like, I think it's leg day. So and I hate leg day, but I'm just hey. going to push through. Kyle, hey, I was just on a podcast with Kyle Gonzalez, man. He wrote the book. I got I to gotta step it up, man. No, no, I love that. And uh, it was definitely a great conversation. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on and appreciate you giving me the platform to to kind of share these ideas and yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, like you said, it, it's never going anywhere. Health and wellness isn't going anywhere. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's always best to look in the mirror, to understand that, uh, you know, it, it's time to change the narrative. So I think, uh, that's, that's what we're here to do. And, uh, I, I just appreciate you having me on. I love it, man. I really appreciate it too. Well, thank you, sir. And, uh, yeah, good luck with everything. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. You too. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Side Hustle City. Well, you've heard from our guests. Now let's hear from you. Join our community on Facebook, Side Hustle City. It's a group where people share ideas, share their inspirational stories, and motivate each other to be successful and turn their side hustle into their main hustle. We'll see you there, and we'll see you next week on the show. Thank you. Ooh.